This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 949, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, February the 2nd. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is uh, episode 949. It's our comic reviews for the week of February the 2nd. I know what you're thinking. This is February the 15th when you're recording this, Adam. Who are you kidding? Yeah, that's true. It's been 13 days, but let's uh, talk about some of these books as uh, this is going to be the week of comic shenanigans. It's going to be four days in a row of, of just episodes on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the episode the uh, the show will be back up to date. And as my, uh, my, good, my good friend AJ Reese would say, no one cares about your schedule but you, Adam. Very true, but the, the show will soon, at least for at least for a few days, uh, will finally be uh, back up to you know back on schedule uh, that I would like it to be on. So let's talk about February the second. Some of the books that came out that day included Avengers Tech Tech on Avengers number six, uh, Batman one twenty, Black Panther Legends three, Dark Knights of Steel, uh, Detective Comics. Uh, Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha, Justice League Incarnate, Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, or Kazar, no, Kazar, what am I talking about? Monkey Prince, number one, One Star Squadron, Savage Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Spider-Woman, what else, Suicide Squad, The Marvels, The Thing, World of Krypton, X-Lives of Wolverine, and Excellent, number one. Uh, So that's on February 2nd. The books I read, well, let's jump right into it. First up, we have Amazing Spider-Man 88. Uh, This is with uh, the Queen Goblin, and I gotta say, I'm not not super plussed with this. Um, you know, you can be nonplussed. I'm not plussed, um, which I guess means I'm nonplussed. Uh, this is written by Zeb Wells. Michael Dowling is the artist. Um, I did like the art. I did feel like Dowling's art in previous issues had been a little bit more detailed, and I felt it was a little bit sketchier here. Um, there's some panels that felt like there's still a lot of good detail here, but I, I did feel like it was maybe not up to Dowling's best. Um, I did enjoy the writing. I mean, Zeb is obviously a great writer, and I enjoy his take generally. And I did like to see kind of how he was writing Ben. Um, but I, I found, in general, the Goblin Queen not super interesting and uh, not compelling. Um, because it's just really, a, you know, it's not... It doesn't feel like the, the character has a lot of legs, because it's just really a, a, um, a pawn of, of beyond. And, you know, it's interesting in terms of how the character ends up operating, but... Again, not necessarily one that I find super fascinating either. Um, yeah, which is too bad. We're, and we're seeing more of Maxine Danger and more of her talking about Beyond. But I, again, I feel like I, I'm not really buying into it. I'm not really enjoying Beyond. Uh, I feel like, you know, maybe there would have been more potential, but something about it just hasn't quite clicked with me as a reader. Uh, I, I'm sure that others maybe are enjoying it more, but I, it just hasn't really been working for me. MJ and uh, Janine working together is interesting, but also something that doesn't feel like it makes... Like, these characters really don't know each other at all, and their only connection is, you know, they're they're they're, they're kind of both love interests of Peter Parker or slash Ben Riley, like the Peter Parker template, uh, which is interesting because, you know, uh, obviously the jokes have been made in the past about, you know, how they, they have a thing for redheads and they have Janine and MJ together. Um, interesting to see how Ben is being obviously modified by beyond and how this is impacting the character. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting read. Definitely a good cliffhanger because it's like the idea that Ben just kind of takes off with, with Janine now that the drive is is destroyed, which he doesn't really realize what's going on anyway, and they just kind of leaving MJ at the mercies of the Goblin Queen, which is interesting, um, you know, way to take it for sure, um, and and kind of unusual to see a Spider-Man character doing that and leaving a, an, an MJ uh, kind of uh, you know in 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 harm's way. 
Uh, next up is Daredevil Woman Without Fear. Oh, man, I really enjoy this book. It's written by Chip Zdarsky. I work by Raphael De La Torre. De La Torre does a fantastic job. Uh, I also really have to shout out the, co- the colorist, uh, Federico Blee. Uh, Blee does a fantastic job. The, the red really pops on Daredevil. Um, the, 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 the shots where Daredevil's fighting Craven just look so good. And it's interesting because on one page, like it'll be a lot more about the reds. A little bit less about kind of the, the the background, but then you know a couple pages later, the the colors just become so much deeper and richer as they fight you know further into the forest. The flashbacks are so brilliantly done. Um, I've enjoyed this book so much. It's so fascinating to see these different interpretations of Electra, seeing what she's doing as Daredevil. Um, and again, the the Craven fights are so interesting. At the very end, it was kind of an interesting. Um, you know, uh, Craven kind of has a reveal that he's actually he is the law right now, so that's why he's allowed to kind of be out in out in public taking on um, a vigilante. But I thought this is incredibly interesting and enjoyable. Uh, Chip Zdarsky really digging into the electric character. This is fascinating. Uh, next up, we got Fantastic Four: Life Story number six by Mark Russell and Sean Isaacs. Uh, with Zicarlos and Angel Enzueta also color, sorry, accredited as artists with Nolan Woodard on color art. This is the 2010s. Um, I really, really like this. I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, as a life story, in some ways, it's more about tying the overall themes together than uh, the Spider-Man was, one in per se. Although, the Spider-Man one did have Doc Ock kind of coming back and, and Kraven coming back. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm probably false in actually saying that at all. But there's just something about... This this series, you know, it all comes down to Doom, and really it should. Um, and I love the idea that Reed is kind of trapped in his own mind. He's still there. He's just not able to kind of interact with his family, etc., which I thought was so interesting and, and really compelling. And then at the end when he kind of, you know, he's able to finally do something and activate this this head and, and ends up turning helping the heroes turn off the the doom bots etc that was really compelling as well it's such an interesting sad series but an incredibly enjoyable one like and it makes sense like especially with characters like when you when you have these characters aging in real time there's a big difference between having reed be his like his age and then aging up to 2018 as opposed to peter because peter was like 16 so i mean yes you Fast forward, you know, 50 years or so, you're going to get him to be quite old, but he's not going to be as old as Reed and Sue. And so there's just, there is an element of sadness in these books at the end because the characters are obviously kind of off the table or going to die, <laughs> you know, and, or live out their lives. And with Peter, it actually died in his life story, but obviously Reed doesn't, but his mind is gone and he's not really there with his family anymore. Incredibly emotional, I would say. It was a very, um, affecting series, uh, a really fascinating light to put Reed in the the because it, it it feels perfectly Reed like he would be someone who would become so obsessed with some upcoming danger that he would put the, you know his entire life would be about this and he kind of forsake other things and the family connections that he really should have been prioritizing even though they do matter to him but he can't always express it like that feels so quintessentially Reed so I feel like um, Russell really gets to the heart of who Reed is as a character and this anyways this has been a tremendous read I cannot wait to have it all collected and have my 
my bookshelf next to Spider-Man Life Story. This was such an enjoyable read. I don't know if we need to get life stories for every hero, but I, I think there was something very special about this one. And it's interesting because in some ways I almost would have expected them to do an X-Men one first. Because uh, that would have been really, that would be really interesting. Because part of the problems with X-Men books is that they keep trying to bring in the next generation, but we can't let go of the originals. Um, so we end up with like this jumbled mess where you've had the new mutants who are now not the X-Men, but they're not the kids anymore. And they're in this weird midway point. And so are Gen X. And then you have, like, you know, the, the kids of Morrison's run are also becoming too old to be the kids. Um, so it would be interesting to see a life story of that because there actually is more of a generational aspect to them um, that would actually fit the life story uh, really well. Uh, you'd maybe have less... It would be more of X-Men as a team or as an idea or as a concept and the mutant struggle over decades would be a very different type of story than the, you know, the family story of Fantastic Four or, you know, the one-man story of Spider-Man, which in and of itself was so fascinating because of how we in the clone and told a whole, you know, and, and made it all make sense, made it fascinating tapestries. Anyways, I, I think I want to see more of these life stories, but um, I don't want to see them too quickly. I want them to really take their time with it and think about it, but really enjoyable and engaging. Uh, next up is Sabretooth, uh, issue number one with just such a brilliant cover. Uh, this is by Victor Lavelle, who I don't really know from anything. Um, sure, I, I'm sure he's been doing something. Uh, Leonard Kirk is the artist. Uh, Leonard Kirk obviously is a stalwart of the, of the genre. He's been around a long time. I thought this was uh, tremendously entertaining and enjoyable. Uh, so interesting to see different permutations of uh, Victor Creed and what, where he's been, what he's done. Um, again, not what I would have expected. And yet, incredibly engaging and enjoyable, and I want to see more of this. I want to. I cannot wait to see where the book goes. I'm really intrigued, obviously, by the ending here. I don't know what it means for Victor's journey, but so far, I'm, I'm in. I want to see more of this. And last but not least, we have X-Men Legends number 11. Um, this is probably, of, of all the X-Men Legends we've gotten, not my favorite. Uh, I do like the art by Walter Simonson, and I do recognize that it's well-written by Louis Simonson. I realize that I'm not a huge fan of New Mutants, and this this book is like a love letter to a specific era of the New Mutants, and also to you know Apocalypse and, and his forces as well. And I found that I was not super engaged with it. But I don't think it has anything to do with the quality of the writing and the art. I think it's just my own personal preferences, not really, you know, caring that much about this era or the, these, you know, these characters. And I've just never really, I've never really connected with them. Like my connection with Sunspot and Cannibal is much more recent. I mean, my Cannibal connection is when he was an X-Man, which is a very specific time period. Um, and even with Sunspot would be in the last decade or so when Hickman kind of elevated him to being an Avenger. Um, so seeing him in these other, you know, when he's younger, less interesting to me as a reader. So I want to stress that it has not, I don't believe it has anything to do with the quality of the writing or the art. I think it's just more personal preference uh, failed to uh, allow, allow me to connect with this. I do. It's always a joy to see Simon's at art. Um, you know, it, it feels very of the time too. It's really cool. But again, it's of a period that I don't really connect with and characters that I don't really connect with. So I can, that respect of the craft can only get me so much. And that's uh, that's everything. Um, the next reviews episode, which hopefully will come up in two days, uh, we'll have books from the 9th of February, which will include. Well, I'm going to for sure be talking about the Spider-Man uh, Bey issue. Uh, I'm not sure what other issue I'll have a, have a chance to read by them, but um, you know, there's a Batman book. Of course, there's a Batman book. There's always a Batman book. Um, so I'll have to see what I end up uh, re- or reading uh, in the next couple of days to talk about on that episode. But anyways, thanks to thank you for listening to this episode of Comic Shenanigans. You can reach me at um, comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.